Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, one of the best coaches in the American game is angry about an age-old dilemma, time-wasting. What Peter Vermees had to say after sporting Kansas City's latest setback. There are Americans abroad, but are the United States' best strikers currently playing in MLS? And a wonder goal at Red Bull Arena. The Shep Messing Daily Cast begins now. Between Friday and Sunday, 24 MLS teams played. And on Wednesday of this week, 26 will be in action. So the games are coming fast and furious, and we'll devote this edition of the podcast to Major League Soccer. I'm Steve Cangelosi, and again, there was a confounding result or two, such as Colorado snapping the Galaxy six-game undefeated streak with a 2-0 shutout on the road. We'll start with this, though, in a season And let's face it, Shep, a league where consistency is so hard to come by. Can you separate a handful of teams now, namely Columbus, Philadelphia, and Seattle from the rest? I'll get into them individually in a moment, but is that the group? Yeah, let me give you my overview, Steve. Uh, I'll start where you left off. So, yes, you look at Seattle, Columbus, Philadelphia. Those are the three teams that have really – so you look at the East, Steve – There are four teams that look good, right? Columbus, Philly, Orlando City, and Toronto. There are four that are really mediocre, middle of the pack. NYCFC, Montreal, New England, and Red Bulls. And then Nashville, Cincinnati, Inter-Miami, Atlanta, D.C., United, Chicago, you know, bottom of the pack. But from the last place team, Chicago, to Columbus on top, there's an 18-point difference in the standings. And in the West... From top to bottom, a 10-point difference in the standing. So much more competitive in the West. But I think you're right about the teams at the top that have separated themselves. Okay, Seattle is a defending champion in the league. They're up 2 nothing, converting a pair of penalties Friday night. And they're outplaying LAFC? Not necessarily. But Nico Ladero is 14 of 14 converting penalty attempts in his career. He never misses. And how many times do we say this? The Sounders just find a way. There is no dynasty team in the league currently, but two titles, three MLS Cup finals in the past yeah, four they years. Are. Steve, you and they I are the talk about thing, it often, and you hear me repeatedly say, I give the line that I believe in. I used to think players win championships, and and now that I'm retired, it's really organization. So you look at the Seattle ownership, top to bottom, from the time Joe Roth bought the team, brought in partners, look at the partners they have now, and then from Siggy Schmidt to Schmetzer, I mean, top, top of the pyramid, they're really solid, so the results don't surprise me. For Philadelphia, there was the minor inconvenience of allowing a goal to Montreal in the opening five minutes Sunday night. Then Kyoto is red-carded, and the Union are just flying the rest of the night. Four unanswered goals. Shabilko scores twice, Shep, and I'm wondering now if he gets proper attention when we assess the yeah, stars and, and in this look, league. He scored seven times already. Shibilko, and he's got the tools, right? He's a big guy. He's strong. He's fast. He's got quick feet, good in the air, can hit it with his left, with his right, and he's showing that he can score goals regularly. That's what you want from a striker. 
We talked last week about Columbus being the complete package. Leading Nashville 1-0 Saturday, and then Giassi Zardes pulls off a play that few were expecting. A four-on-three. Off to our tour. In for Zardes! It had eyes! So Zardes now has nine goals on the season, one off Diego Rossi as the league leader. And it struck me that if you were putting together a United States World Cup team today, and granted, we're 26 months away from that, three of your forwards are MLS players. Wouldn't Jordan Morris, Josie Altador, and Zardes all have to be on the team currently? Steve, 100%. I don't even think that's debatable. Uh, Zardes and, and Josie and Jordan Morris, th- those are the best three American strikers going. I don't care where they're playing. I think. If you put the team together, those three are on it today. We want to turn our attention to what happened at Kansas City. FC Dallas on the road defeats Sporting Kansas City 3-2. The headline was created after the game, really. Peter Vermees, who strangely has never won MLS Coach of the Year, we'll argue that for another day, is furious with FC Dallas' time-wasting tactics. Referee Alex Chilowitz was in charge. Now, he did issue four yellow cards for time-wasting in the game's final 20 minutes. That's not enough. Take a listen to what Vermees said post-game. If you want people to watch the games in this league, whether it be live or on television, fans don't want to see those type of antics in the game. And so if we're puzzled at times why people don't come to watch you play or why they don't watch you on TV, I think it's... You look at those antics and people don't want to see them. I'm, I, I'm involved in this game, and I've been since I was born. Um, and I don't want to see those things. I don't understand why the, the fan would want to see those type of antics in any game. I think it's disrespectful to the sport. I think it's disrespectful to the league. I think it's disrespectful to everybody who's involved in Major League Soccer, whether that be fans, owners, staffs, players, those things just don't they just don't they don't they don't belong in our game as not what I, I would want to see and I think that most people don't want to see it but the referee's got to manage that and I just find it incredibly I, I thought at times he was really good and I think at times he just I, I I think that referees have the easiest job in the world to manage behavior on the field and they can they can they have the chance with cards with that whistle to, you know, shape the game. We saw a little in the game even you and I called on Saturday. Players on FC Cincinnati strangely cramping up after they seized a one nothing lead late in the game. Do we all just have to live with this, or is Vermees' rant going to take us and the league in another direction? I hope it does. And I'll tell you what, I'm 100% behind Peter Vermees, what he said. And he was very intelligent about it. I love when he said, he said, look, I've, I've loved soccer, and then he hesitated, since I was born, right? This is a guy who lives and breathes soccer. He did it as a player. He's done it as a manager, as a sporting director. It's his life. And, and his issue with it is that it can be corrected. He, he commended, commended the referee, uh, Alex, in the game sometimes, but he said, we could wipe it out. I mean, yellow card, do it again. 
Second yellow, red, pull out the red card. I think it's a despicable part of the game. I don't think it's gamesmanship. I think we got to get rid of it. But the smart teams know how to deal with this and know how to navigate that, don't they? It's your turn to cramp up, then it's my turn to cramp up, then it's his turn to cramp up. We'll all get yellow cards. None of us are going to get kicked out of the game, and we'll all go on our merry way. And we've seen that so many times. Yeah, but I think the onus is on the league and the referees to get rid of it. It's bad for the sport. And Vermees again was right. Nobody wants to see it. Not the players, not the league, not the executives, not the fans. So get rid of it. You could do it. All right. We have to get to Matias Almeida because there was another goal fest at San Jose. Diego Chara cutting it back. Drive and in. Two deflections. And Portland is on the board here in the second half. This is Diego Chara. And this one will get into the back of the net. Rosendo Mendoza signals the end of this one. And Savarese and Matias Almeida and their coaching staffs meeting at midfield. In the end, it was a 6-1 to one final. Almeida left the general manager of the Quakes, Jesse Fiorinelli, to face the media afterwards. Look, even if you have a pounding headache, you have to face the music if you're the manager in that situation. Coaches want to hold players accountable, so Shep... His pounding headache was racing to call his agent to find another team. He is not going to be there much longer. And really, if I were him, that's what I would have done. Forget the press conference. Get on the phone with your agent and and get out of here. Well, regardless of his resume, which is impressive, he's going to lose his job if he doesn't adapt. He won't have to have the agent facilitate it. Because what's happening now, look, they allowed since September 10th, Seven against Seattle, six against Portland. And for the Timbers to score six times in that game, that was their second trip to San Jose in a span of four days. There was no time to practice. They traveled twice, and that's the result. What does that say? (laughs) Steve, again, we started out the show talking about the elite teams in the league. Hey, there are two teams in this league right now that stink. The Chicago Fire and the San Jose Earthquakes. Now, do they have more talent? All I know is they're bottom of the pile. They look terrible. I wonder if the success that they had in the MLS's back tournament, too, reaching the quarterfinals, remember, was the worst thing to happen to them. Perhaps fool's gold. Uh, You and I, uh, no surprise to most of our listeners on the podcast, live in New York. Why can't the New York team score goals? Uh, Both were shut out Saturday. New York City's case, it was at least a draw versus New England. And in the Red Bulls' case, it was a loss to FC Cincinnati. Take each team individually. What's happening? Well, two different stories, really, Steve. I think for NYCFC, they have the right players. They have the talent. Uh, They just haven't had the fluidity in the attacking third. and, and, And the strikers have been off. Look, strikers are streaky by nature. I think the goals are going to come for NYCFC. Look, they have a big injury that that really is hurting their attack. But other than that, when they're healthy, they have the players to score goals, and I think they will. Red Bull's a completely different story, and it gives me no great pleasure to say they don't have the players. Up front, in the striker position, they have Brian White, they have Barlow, and they have Jorgensen. Jorgensen, to this point, and he's a nice young man, and I wish him well. He's been a $2 million bust. 
I mean, you don't spend $2 million on a striker, bring him here, and, and he could score for your Red Bulls 2 team. And, and Barlow and Brian White work hard, but so far have not shown, and I hope they do, so far have not shown that they're quality strikers in Major League Soccer. I'll balance that out just a bit by mentioning that Jorgensen is still just 20 years old. As a matter of fact, he only recently turned 20. And there's a hope in the organization that by the time this ends, he's going to produce something for this team. The complaint I get, uh, or I see it a lot, at least on social media with the New York City fans, Ronnie Dyla, who's got uh, a very pragmatic way about uh, putting his team on the field and the, the, the tactics that he employs. And many of them feel he's sucking the life out of a team that otherwise is a bit more talented. Look, David Villa is not there anymore. Perhaps this is the approach that will, in the end, uh, really allow him to say, hey, I was right all along. But I thought this would be a more fun team to watch across the Hudson River. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it, Steve. Tactically, he has changed things up, but he's in a locker room. He's at practice every day. He wants to get results. He's not concerned with playing entertaining, free-flowing, attacking soccer. So it's still a work in progress, but I think they have a lot of talent on that team. And, and you know, back to Red Bulls. Look, Jorgensen, you can root for him. You could say he's young, but the old theory is, you know, if you're good in, you know, it doesn't matter your age. Wayne Rooney, when he first started hitting the back of the net, right? You're old enough if, if you're good enough, whether you're 16, 17, or 18. And the contrast in spending is going to come to the forefront for the Red Bulls this week with an Inter-Miami team that has met Tweedy that has Rodolfo Pizarro. It'll have Gonzalo Higuain at some point. We don't think he'll play this week. Still waiting for the transfer certificate, but that is an issue that uh, certainly the fans of the Red Bull team harp on consistently, and they want to see change sooner rather than later. Let's get to the goal that you and I saw with our own two eyes calling the match on Saturday, and the rest of the league was buzzing about. Waston in the six-yard box. This ball whipped in off the post and in! An Olympico, Harris, Madunian, and, and FC Cincinnati has the lead. Absolute shock. Shocking. Jensen can't believe it. We said this about Thierry Henry, who did it eight years ago. He is absolutely going for goal. Madunian, was that his intention? to score a goal a hundred percent Steve and fortunately in my career I've never been the object of a goal like that but you can tell by a number of different factors when you look at that goal Steve as Mendunian lined up to take the corner kick he looked up whether he made a signal or not you saw the entire team led by Waston run to the near post and drag the Red Bull defenders with them. And Jensen, unfortunately, he also followed the crowd and started going to the near post. As a goalkeeper, that's overcommitting. I'm not saying it would have been an easy save, but every goalkeeper knows it's a lot easier to move forward and attack the ball than to backpedal and try and make a save. So, for me, 100% intentional. Look, you could think about it. You could dream about it. You can practice it. And players do, Steve. Look, you, you've been in enough practices. 
players all the time are fooling around. Mm -hmm. Can they bend it in on a corner kick, right? That was perfectly executed and a wonder goal. The goalkeeper, David Jensen, is listed at six foot five. And when you're that size, you probably should never appear that helpless in that situation, should you? Yeah, he, he, we've watched him a little bit now, and, and he does, does not look like the most agile, mobile player for a big man. But let me raise another point about that Olympico goal, and, and it's a sticking point for me as I analyze goalkeeping when I played, and I do it now in the broadcast booth. I, for the life of me, don't understand why teams don't play, play on a corner kick defensively, either one man on one post or a guy on both posts. The data is pretty clear. It decreases the percentage of goals scored on a corner kick. The reason coaches don't do it, it's silly. They're afraid that by bringing one or two of their own defenders back on the post that they're going to leave somebody open. But if percentage-wise you're going to allow less goals, what's the difference? Do it. I would always do it in goal. I want to get your take on some transfer news this week because Boa Vista, one of the teams in Portugal, uh, purchased two MLS players, Reggie Cannon and now Albert Elise from the Houston Dynamo. He was playing very well under Todd Ramos. Is the Portuguese league a lateral move or does he step up in competition now? Cannon, by the way, was a $3 million sale, but is the player now facing much more formidable competition we know that mls can't approach the big five not in this day and age but portugal absolutely not to me to me i'd argue it's a step down because historically in portugal look it's benfica and porto and and a big disparity in whatever teams are up in the first division but porto and benfica yeah if you're playing for them and you're going to be playing in european matches that's better competition, but week by week, Major League Soccer from the top to the bottom, I don't think it's a step up. Look, Steve, the reason they go is for the money. I'm sure they're getting paid a whole lot more than they were getting paid here, but not for competitive uh, advantage. Again, Elise was playing so well under Tab Ramos, and you want that to go in one direction if you care about the player. We'll see what happens there. Uh, you've known Bruce Arena for about 50 years, I guess. He's turned 69 <laughs> years old uh, on uh, Monday. Uh, is he really in this for the long haul? And I ask this only from the age perspective. Seeing this project through with the revolution into his 70s when the new stadium supposedly will be built in the Boston area soon? Well, look, hard for me to be objective about it. You know how I feel about him. We've known each other since we were 19, 20 years old. And and look, I, I go down saying Bruce Arena is not only the best coach, American coach in soccer that we've ever seen by far, did it at the college level, uh, did it with D.C. United, did it with the Galaxy, did it with the U.S. national team. To me, he's, he's iconic in terms of all sports, whether it's John Wooden or Bill Belichick or anybody else. To your question, he tells me yes. Mm-hmm. When he took the job, he said, I'm going to see this thing through. Uh, I got the backing I want. The crafts are behind me. I, I think I know where this thing can go, and that would be a great 
goodbye to my career if I get it where I think it can go. Well, that's one of the markets that MLS has not been able to tap and make some great success story yet. Uh, I'll end on this. You and I chatted with Alexi Lalas last week. Uh, I asked him what the story that we're not paying enough attention to in America soccer might be. Uh, Orlando City, is this the MLS team that we're not talking about enough? They were 4-1 winners versus Chicago again on Saturday night. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon yet, Steve, because it was Chicago. And and earlier I told you how bad I think Chicago is. So uh, not one game, but but look, that, you know, Pareja coaching them, Nani playing at the top of his game, they're da- definitely dangerous. But, but we still have a, a little way to go before I'm giving them the crown. Are they a good team? Absolutely. Nani scored. He finally played 90 minutes for the first time since late August. Part of that game you knew I had to bring up. Is there anything more awkward than players arguing over who should take a penalty? I mean, this was comical. This happened to the fire. Uh, Alvaro Madron failed to convert it. He refused to give up the ball. Robert Berich was the other player who wanted the ball. The coach, Rafael Wicke, said after the game he takes responsibility for this. Should he? Should anyone in particular take it? Yeah, look, you hear me every time we have a game coming up. I'm always asking the coach who's taking your penalty kick because this should never happen in a game, Steve. I I do not agree with a coach who doesn't, in practice, during the week, say you're taking a penalty. And if you're hurt, number two is taking it. Look, in practice all week, Steve, you, you work on set pieces. You know who's taking the corner kick. You know who's taking a set piece from the left side 25 yards out. Surely you should designate who's taking the penalty kick. You leave it up to the players, which some coaches do, you're looking for trouble. 13 games on the schedule in midweek in Major League Soccer. One of them will see a Luis Robles Red Bull reunion down in Miami. We're going to tackle that on the next edition of Believe in Soccer. Shep, we'll talk then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.